וזאת הברכה אשר ברך משה איש האלוהים את בני ישראל לפני מותו. And this is the blessing that Moshe, who is the man of God, blessed Bnei Yisrael when before he died. Says Rashi, Alav Shalom, Vezota Beracha Lifne Moto. What is Lifne Moto? It means Samuch Lemitato, right before he died. Sheim Lo Achshav. Because if he doesn't bless them now, Ematai, when is he going to bless them? So the Pasuk is basically pointing out that Moshe Rabbeinu found himself in a position where he no longer had any opportunity not to bless them. He had to bless them because he's about to die. Already God commanded him in the previous parasha. He told him, Ale el har ha'avarim Go up to the mountain, Harnevo, and over there you're going to see Eretz Kenan, Umut, Bahar, Asherata, Oleshama, and you're going to die over there. That was the end of Parashata Azinu. And now he finds himself right at the brink of death, and therefore he says, If I don't bless them now, Ematai, when am I going to bless them? And therefore it says, The Pasuk is stressing, to tell you that Moshe Rabbeinu found himself in a position where he had no longer a chance to wait to bless them. So, I think it's an obvious question. Why is Moshe so resistant to bless the Jewish people? Like as if he is holding back. He doesn't want to bless them. But now he says, you know, When do we tell somebody? If not now, when? Usually, when you tell somebody, If not now, when? Usually, the person doesn't want to do it. And he's delaying, 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 delaying. And finally, listen, if you don't do it now, that's it. When are you going to do it? That wouldn't sound like something appropriate here, though. Because he's giving berachot to Am Yisrael. Why is he... So scared, holding back, not to give berachot. And now basically, okay, he's about to die. He's okay, if not now, I have to do it. It sounds like he has to do it, right? It sounds like he knows he needs to do it. Because if, if not, don't, don't do it at all. So it sounds like he wants to bless them, but yet he doesn't really want to bless them yet. What's, what's the reason behind that? It really is bothersome. I saw some say, and this, by the way, fits very well what we spoke about yesterday, Mina Shemaim. Yesterday we spoke about how great people, when they're commanded to do something, they do it miyad, immediately, at all costs. We see in last week's parasha, Hashem commands Moshe Rabbeinu, go up to the mountain and you're going to die. So now what should Moshe Rabbeinu be doing right away? Go up to the mountain. What's he doing? Blessing the Am Yisrael. That's considered delaying the mitzvah that Hashem gave him. That's why it says, Im lo achshav ematai, meaning since Im lo achshav ematai, since 
there is no other time I could do this, so I have to delay in not going up to the mountain because I must do this. If I don't do this now, I can't do it. So that would take precedence over going immediately up to the mountain because there's something that needs to be done, and if I don't do it, it's going to expire. So since there's a mitzvah that's going to expire, I have to do it now. That's why it says, if not now, one. Beautiful. Lifne moto could also mean, and I also saw someone say something like this, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to end off his relationship with Am Yisrael with a blessing, with a berachan. He didn't want to bless them because if you bless somebody, then there might be, after that, another uh, meeting, another discussion where you may have to rebuke them, you may have to say something. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to wait that the last time he is with Am Yisrael, it should be a biracha. Because it says in the words of Hazal, Hakol Olech Aharahitum is right. Everything follows the end. Which means it's not the way you begin life that's important. It's not even the way you lived in the middle. It's the way you end life. How how big is that? The Gemara says that even if a guy is a tzaddik his whole life, his whole life is a tzaddik. A hundred years is a tzaddik. And the last day he becomes a rasha, certified rasha. He is considered a rasha. Even though he lived a hundred years like a tzaddik, not a sketch tzaddik. And the same for the flip side. It is, the, by the way, the flip side is not a big hidush. This is a big hidush. The flip side is if a guy is a rasha his whole life and the last day, he becomes a tzaddik, not just makes a shuvah. I mean, he, he becomes really a tzaddik, not just says ana, and, but really changes his whole being, which is, is, is of course, part of the shuvah. He, he goes down as a tzaddik. So that, that's easier to understand. Why? Because we're relying on God's mercy. So Hashem could have rahamim on the person and change all his negative into good. Okay. But the other way is very hard. The guy is a tzaddik his whole life. His whole life. The guy is living a life of righteousness. And the last day he becomes a zero. He in Shamaim is called a zero. Why? Because everything follows the end. I told you once that in life it's not what we do that matters. It's what we become, which means in life, it's not like we're in this world to just like check boxes. We're here to check boxes. We're not here to check boxes. We're here to become something. It's a very big difference. A lot of people, they have in their imagination that in this world, we're here to do good. We're here to do good or to stay away from bed. We're not here to do good. We're not here to stay away from it. We're here to be good. The very big difference between doing good and being good. We're in this world to become something good. We have to do good. You have to check boxes. 
in order to become good. And you have to stay away from bad so you don't become bad. But the goal of life isn't to do bad, uh, or to do good or not to do bad. It's to become good. It's a whole different way of understanding life. We need to do in order to become. So for example, just an obvious example. We're not in this world to do kindness. Mistake. We're in this world to be a kind person. And those things don't always go hand in hand. A person can do kindness his whole life, but he's not a kind person. Not at all. He's just doing it for other reasons from the most obvious that's not not really pure and even sometimes not so obvious. So a person who does kindness not necessarily is a kind person. The goal of life is that we become a kind person. That's why it says that the only way you can know or in Shamayim they know if someone is really kind is as they see how he is with his wife. You see how he is with his close family. Because the close family brings out the real person. person behind closed doors is protected from the street, is protected from people's opinions. He feels very, very secure. His guard is down. And now the real person comes out. So people might say, I'm a very kind person, only in the house. It's very hard for me. But in reality, that means that you're not a kind person. Because a kind person doesn't change depending on where he is. Because it's you. You don't change. You, wherever you are, it goes with you. So if a person changes from place to place, then that shows he does kindness, but he's not a kind person. We're here to become kind. We're here to become sensitive. We're here to become wise. We're not here just to learn. We're here to acquire wisdom. The big difference. A guy who learns every day or a person who acquires wisdom. We're here to constantly change and become a different person. To grow as a person in our kindness, in the way we, our truth, and in in everything that we do. So that's why now it makes sense. Everything follows the end. Because for example, imagine you have a guy who spent his a month, a year, making a beautiful, beautiful boss. Gorgeous. He does everything that needs to be done to make it the nicest boss in the world, on the planet. There's not a boss like this. And of course, you're there ready to buy it and you're willing to buy it with any price. Any price the guy asks you, you'll buy it because it's one of a kind. And then right at the end, right at the end, he's gorgeous, beautiful. He takes it and he drops it on the floor. And it breaks into a thousand pieces. How much is it worth? Zero. The guy says, you know how much I worth? I'm working a whole year. Zero? Answer is, yeah, I don't pay you for your work. I pay you for what you produce. It's a very big difference. When in this world, our success is not the work. It's what we produce from the work. Now, of course, you can't produce if you don't work. Guy can't say, you know, I'm a very kind person, but I don't do kindness. But I'm really very kind. That your actions are a contradiction to your claim. Of course, you have to do to become. That's obvious. You cannot become without doing. But the goal is the end, what you become. 
everything follows the end, what you become. So here, it's not really the same point, but the and it's a nice point that Moshe Rabbeinu wants to leave his relationship with Am Yisrael with a blessing. And I think that's a very beautiful message for everybody here. That whenever you whenever you leave someone, even you, leave, you finish the day in your office, it should be with a blessing. You finish your day, good night, with a blessing. Whenever you are parting till the next step in your life, it should be with a biracha. You shouldn't leave on a sour note. You shouldn't leave on even a uh, 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 a non-note. This is the biracha that Moshe wanted to give Yisrael before he died. Because he's waiting that this should be the last memory. It should be the last meeting that he has with Am Yisrael. should be a blessing. It shouldn't be, God forbid, something negative. It shouldn't be a rebuke. And it shouldn't even be a nothing time. It shouldn't be that. When you are finishing up something in your life, it should end off with a blessing. So you should bless the person to have a wonderful night. That's a blessing. Good night is not describing the night. I don't know if people think when they say good night, it's saying the night is good. That's not what it means. Now people don't know that. You're living. But people think, Good night, like it's a good night. That's what it means. Good night obviously means, right? You're blessing the guy. Have a great night. Maybe it's better that you say it outright. It sounds more like a blessing. Wish you have, have wish you a wonderful night. Bless the person. Leave your relationships on a blessing. Don't leave them on anything but. So that's what it means. Bezot Abiracham Moshe is waiting. That he should part from Am Yisrael. Now is the time, the last possible moment, to end off our relationship with a blessing. It should you should split with a biracha. Now, okay, let's see what the blessing is. What was the blessing? You ready for the blessing? Here is the blessing. And he says, Adonai misinai ba. Hashem came from Sinai. Vezarah misair lamo. And he, Zarah means like the Mizrah, like the east where the sun comes out, meaning Hashem appeared to Am Yisrael from Seir, meaning he was in Seir. It's another place that's where Aisab was. He came from Seir. Hofia, he appeared. Mehar Paran. He was also in Har Paran. That's where Yishmael was. Ve'ata. And he came. Meri Vevot Kodesh. He came. Meri Vevot Kodesh. Rivevot Kodesh means the, the Kodesh is holy. The angels. The thousands of angels that he came from. Mimino in his right hand. Esh dat lamo. He had a dat, a religion that was esh, a fire. Lamo for them. Okay, now, now that we got the words, what, what, what did you say? Again, he's telling you that Hashem is describing the events that took place by Matan Torah. 
It says, Hashem came from Sinai and he first went to Seir, he went to Har Paran, and then he came to Am Yisrael. He came also from the thousands of angels that were with him. Mimino, and he had in his right hand a the fire, the Torah that he gave to Am Yisrael. Now, anybody here who reads this pasuk, even a very shallow understanding of the pasuk, knows there's no blessing in this pasuk. It says vezot beracha, and this is the blessing that Hashem gave, that Moshe gave to Am Yisrael. And the next words by Yomar, and now he starts talking about how Hashem came from Sinai. Where's the blessing? There's no blessing. There's not a blessing in this pasuk. There's not a blessing in the next pasuk. The blessing only begins in pasuk vav. Five pasukim later begins the blessing. That's the blessing. So in introducing, it introduces the blessing. And there's no blessing. It gives all of a sudden... Uh, telling us the history of how Hashem came and gave the Torah to Am Yisrael in Har Sinai. It's a problem. What's, what's it doing? What does that have to do anything? Oh, it says Rashi, Alava Shalom, what are powerful. Listen to this Rashi. Rashi says, Patah shel makom. Rashi coming to answer the question. He is first, he opened by praising Hashem. And then he opened up with the needs of Am Yisrael. When you bless somebody, you're basically blessing him that they should get the needs that they need in life. So before he blessed them that Hashem should give them their needs, first he opened up with the praise of Hashem. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's very interesting to me that he didn't just praise Hashem and then say, Vizota Beracha. Rashid didn't really answer that question. One more time. Let me tell you what Rashid is asking, what he answered, and what I feel is still not answered. The Pasuk begins, Vizota Beracha, and here is the blessing. But all of a sudden, there's like a parenthesis. He starts to praise God. He starts to praise Hashem before he asks for the needs of Am Yisrael. Close parenthesis. That means before you could ask Hashem, first you praise. That's what we do in the Amidah. We don't just go into our requests. We don't ask first for wisdom and that. No, that's in the middle. First thing we do is we praise Hashem. Ha'el, ha'gadol, ha'gibor, ve'anora, gomel hasadim tovim, mehayemetim. First we praise Hashem, that's the way Amira set up. We praise Him, ha'el ha'kadosh, three berachot of praise, and only then do we ask Hashem to help us with our needs. That means, before you ask Hashem for things, First, you should praise. But So that's what Rashi's answering. But it doesn't really answer fully the question. So why didn't he praise 
and then say Okay, the fact that you praise Hashem before, you could do that. But why do you have to open and this is the blessing and then all of a sudden open up parentheses. Oh, by the way, I have to praise Hashem. Almost like he forgot. Oh, wait, I gotta, I gotta praise Hashem. It should have been written in the right order. First, praise Hashem. And then say, Yeah. The answer to this question seems, I think it's a simple answer. The answer is that it's telling you not just that he happened to praise Hashem before he asked him. If it just said he praised him and then he blessed, okay. He's telling you no. That in life, he's giving you a direction in life. You can't ask unless you praise. That's why he started. And automatically you need to know. If I'm about to ask Hashem for something, automatically you have to praise first. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us. Again, if he would just write the praise and then he would bless them. So it could be that's what he did. He prays and then he blessed. When he writes Vezota Beracha and right away he goes into the praise, he's telling you the only way you could ask Hashem for anything is you have to be first Meshabeah. You have to praise. Now we have to know, before we know what the praise is, by the way, what, why is it like that? Why do you have to praise Hashem before you ask Him for what you need? So there is a um, very important principle in life. And it doesn't only apply with Hashem. It applies through and through. You know, in life, we live around many people. And many of those people we care for and we love very much. And it has to be that when you live around people, that sometimes you see things about them that could use improvement. Either they have something they're not realizing that they could utilize, they're not utilizing it, or they may be not doing something, or excuse me, doing something wrong and really they could do better than that. When you live around people, it is a sure thing that you're going to see something about them that they're capable of doing better. Problem is, you know, there's a real problem because usually the person doesn't see what he's missing. That's just the way the reality of a human being. When a person looks at himself, he sees near perfection. Near. Not 100%, but near. When he looks around everybody else, he knows. I mean, right now, if we did this, it wouldn't be right to do this right now. But if we spent a good few hours and said, let's go around the table and uh, tell me what's wrong, what, what's wrong, what's wrong with uh, all these people, I think everybody, everybody here would have something to say about everybody in this room. And even if a guy you just met a few days ago, you probably look at him and say, I'm, I'm, I think I can figure it out already. That's just the way we are. We, 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 we notice the negative right away. But when it comes to ourselves, somehow we don't see really any problems. Again, we know we're not perfect, but we're like almost, we're near perfect. person doesn't see his own blemish. He loves himself. Can't see. When you love something, you can't see. 
But when you have a, other people, you could see. So here's the problem. The guy who needs to improve can't see. And the guy who could see is not in control of his improvement. They got a real problem. The only thing that you could do is tell the other person. But usually, you know what happens. When you tell another person about something he's not doing right. And yeah, yeah, you're going to get you're ready ready for to be showered with the whole... Uh, yeah, right, right. Oh, you're talking. Oh. And the question is, is there a key? Is there a key to other people's door? Is there a way to see someone and you know that they could be better, stronger at something? Is there a key to help them bring out the greatness they have inside of them. Again, it's not your free choice. It's their free choice. You can't decide for them. You could force them, but that's not going to last very long. Is there a key to have them bring it out? So there, there is a key. The Pasuk says, when we say this all the time during Silichot, there's a Pasuk we say all the time. It's a words of David Melech in Tehilim, in Perek Teshuvah, when he made Teshuvah. He says to Hashem, Zechor rahamecha Hashem v'hasadecha ki me'olam hema. He tells Hashem, remember your midah of kindness. You remember your midah of compassion. Ki me'olam hema. You've been using it from the time you created the world. Why Hashem made the world? Olam chesed yibaneh. Hashem's kindness made this world. And how does the world continue to exist? Despite people doing the wrong things, Hashem's kindness. Hashem, I need your kindness. I need your compassion. Remember your kindness. Remember your compassion. You've been using your kindness and your compassion from the time you made the world. Please, I need it. This is the pasuk that David Melech says, and we repeat it very often. Seemingly, when you read this pasuk, it's you say, listen, it's not appropriate. Who, who, who has the audacity to remind the creator of the world of anything? Could you imagine telling Hashem, remember something? Is that a, he's, he's the source of all memory. If anyone ever remembered something, it's only because God created memory. So you're going to go tell the source of memory to remember something? Would you think that's a respectful thing to do? Even if you're David Melech. You could tell Hashem, Zechor Rahamecha, remember your kindness. What kind of what kind of statement is that? That's not. That's that's a that's a disgrace. You could tell Hashem to use his kindness. You could tell him to use his compassion. Don't tell him to remember something. How, how is that? How is that okay? And not only it's okay, we repeat the pasuk all the time. It's possible that the word Zechor doesn't mean to remember. It means remember to use it. So it's more like, use it. So I say, remember so you could use it. But I think there's a deeper, there's a deeper subject here. And that David Melech is telling us a key to life. You know, Hashem behaves with us the way we behave with each other. Hashem, He models for us the way we should be as people. One of the things Himself if you want to open up the keys 
to Hashem's kindness and you want to open up the keys to Hashem's compassion, you know how to do it? You remind him of what he is. When you remind someone of what he is, that is the key that he will be able to bring out his greatness. The more you tell him about the greatness that he has in him, the more he'll be capable of bringing it out into the open. But that's like flattery. That's like... No, 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 no. No, no, no. Flattery, be careful. Flattery is when you tell someone something, a compliment that may or may not be real, and its purpose is for your personal gain. You want someone to give you something he may not want to give you, and it may not even be good for him to give you, but you want him to give it to you. So what do you do? You flatter the person so that he feels comfortable with you and he gives it to you. That's flattery. It's a terrible sin. We're not talking about that. We're talking you want to bring out the good in a person for him. You want to help the person. But he's not, he's not doing it. So by praising him that he has the capability, he will be able to bring out easier what it is that you see in him. So what, where do we find this at an unbelievable example? We find this in the home of Yaakov Avinu. In the home of Yaakov Avinu, he raised 12 giants. What children he had. These are all our great-grandparents. What a magnificent home Yaakov Avinu raised with his wives. What did it look like in there? The Torah tells us a story, a very, I would say, meaningless story on the surface. A story of a young boy, he was probably six or seven years old, Reuven, a little boy. It says he went out, the Pasuk says he went out in the days of the wheat harvest, and he went and he, and he found, he took flowers and he brought back to his mother Le'ah. The Pasuk says when his mother Le'ah, right, saw the flowers, and then Rahel, he bring, again, Reuven brings his mother these flowers. Rahel sees the flowers. She tells Leah, give me the flowers of your son. I want those flowers. She tells her, what? Give you the flowers of my son? Is it not enough that my husband's always with you? Now you want also my son's flowers? No way. She says, Rahel's okay. If that's the case, I'm willing to give up my husband. You could have him tonight. Go. Go out. Go out for dinner tonight. All right? You could have him if you give me your son's flowers. She says, okay, deal. For that, I'll give you my son's flowers. And she gives it to Yaakov comes back from the field. Leah goes out to greet him. She says, listen, um, tonight, you're with me because I paid for you. With what? With the flowers of my son. And that's the end of the story. You read the story, you say, what is going on here? What, what is everything? What, what, what is it? What are they doing? And what are they, what's so special about these flowers? Especially when you read Rashi, Rashi makes the question even worse. Rashi says, why does it say it was the days of the wheat harvest? So Rashi says, because during the wheat harvest, there's something much more valuable than flowers. Flowers, 
they just, uh, what, what, you just look at them. But wheat, you could eat them. But wheat grows where? In private, in private fields. So this boy, Reuven, if he was going to bring wheat to his mother, he would have had to steal. So instead of stealing, he made a good choice. He didn't steal. He went and he took from ownerless flowers and he brought them back home. Which means that the own the flowers are not, not worth anything. They're ownerless. Rahel and Le'av, they wanted those flowers. They could have gone themselves to the... How far could a six-year-old go to get flowers? They could have won themselves and got the flowers. So what are they fighting about? They're fighting about worthless flowers that they could have gotten themselves? The answer is, the answer is a beautiful answer. That this gives us a little window into the upbringing of our nation. How did our nation grow up in our home by Yaakov Avinu? How did all of these brothers, what kind of home did they see, did they experience? This story is a wonderful window into the home of Yaakov Avinu. In Yaakov Avinu's home, when a kid comes home and he made a good decision, he didn't steal, it's a good decision. Wow. When he comes home, they go wild about his decision. He comes home with the flowers that he did a mitzvah. He did a mitzvah with them, he didn't steal. He took something ownerless. Rahel says to ah, I want those flowers. I don't want just regular flowers. I want your son's flowers. Those flowers are special. I want them. She says to her, never. I'll never give you my son's flowers. You have my husband. Fine, I'll give up my husband for your son's flowers. Could you imagine Reuven standing there? Listening to them fighting over his flowers. Because he did something very special. This builds the honesty of Reuven. You know, when we have a boy going to school, if he goes to school for 350 days and 349 days he comes back and he didn't steal anything. He didn't take his friend's snack. He didn't take his friend's pen. He didn't steal. Do we say anything? No, what are I saying? We, the way we live life, when people act the right way, we say, what do you mean? That's the way he's supposed to be. He's supposed to act right. He's supposed to talk the right way, not supposed to curse, you're not supposed to lie, you're not supposed to steal, that was it. So if a kid comes home and he's honest, you don't say a word. If one day, day number 350, he comes home and he got a note that he stole someone's snack, what happens? You sit him down and you really give it. You say, what kind of, what kind of upbringing are you? What, what kind of person are you? Why'd you do that? That's the upbringing usually that you see in the world. When that when people are doing good, they're supposed to. And when they do something wrong, you step in. But the Hinuch of Abraham, of Yaakov Avinu's house, was totally different. A kid comes home and is, has an honest day, they go wild. They talk about that. If you would go wild on the good things that your children do, you probably never have to go and spend time rebuking them on the bad things they did. Because when people get praised for good that they do, 
it brings, it opens up in them the, the want to do more. This is the way Hashem made the world. You know, it says, beautiful, this, this you're going to love. When we were, Am Yisrael was in the Midbar, there was a very powerful king that wanted to come fight against us. So Am Yisrael sent him a message. They told him, listen, don't mess with us. We have Hashem with us. Vayishma et kolenu. Vayishma et kolenu. He heard our voice. What does that mean? Uh, she says, we were blessed. When we got the blessing, Hakol kol Yaakov. Remember that blessing? Hakol kol Yaakov. The sound is the sound of, the voice is the voice of Yaakov. So we told that king, be careful. We are very special. We have a special voice. Don't mess with us. We were blessed with a great voice, meaning the voice of prayer. However, there's a very big problem. Hakol kol Yaakov was not a beracha, was not a blessing. How come we refer to it as the blessing Hakol kol Yaakov? Who said those words? Hakol kol Yaakov. Who said those words? Yitzhak Avinu said those words. When did he say those words? When he was when, when, when someone came to him, he didn't know who he was. So as an investigation, he was very confused. He says, you know, this sounds, Hakol Kol Yaakov, the sound, the voice, the way he's talking, sounds like Yaakov. But I feel him. He feels like Isa. That was no beracha. That was no blessing. That was Yaakov. It's hard doing his investigation, trying to figure out who this guy is. Why is it that when we come and speak to this powerful king, we say, listen, we were blessed. We were blessed with a very powerful voice. Which, which blessing? Hakol kol Yaakov. That wasn't a blessing. That was a comment. It was investigation. Some explain beautifully that was the biggest blessing. When Yaakov is standing in front of his father and his father is commenting and says, you know, that is the beautiful sound of Yaakov. That's how Yaakov talks. That is the beautiful voice of Yaakov. It wasn't describing his, uh, his musical voice. He was describing the way Yaakov speaks, the, the compassion that he speaks with, the sound of Rahmanut and the way he approaches the other with his voice. He says, that's the voice of Yaakov. That was the biggest beracha. When Yaakov hears his father describing that he has a special voice, that is the blessing. Because that brought out the tremendous power of Am Yisrael's voice. We also have a great voice of prayer. And that voice, the Beracha, the voice that we have, that we come to pray to Hashem, that came from the blessing that Yitzhak described his son Yaakov. When we describe somebody, 
we bring out the best in that person. This is the key to bring out greatness in people. If you have someone great in your house, someone great around you, and we all have greatness around us, but you can't tap into it, it's not there. You know how you do it? Finding a way to praise them that they have that. Instead of telling him you're irresponsible, which is the normal way we attack when we see someone not responsible, we look for the moment where he was responsible. And we say, by the way, the way you behaved is so, you're so responsible. When we see someone who is selfish, the worst thing you could tell him is, by the way, you're a very selfish kid. You need to change that. Of course, we mean well, because we're trying to tell him. But the best thing you could do is find a moment where he showed his true unselfishness. When he shared with his sister, imagine a little kid who shared with his sister. Don't tell him on the moment, because usually at the moment, they don't listen to you. They look at it, it's fake. But imagine the next day, you saw your son, he said, by the way, I want to tell you, yesterday, when you shared that toy with your, with, your, with your sister, that was so special. You're such an unselfish person. You know what you just did? You tapped into his greatness. By nature, we all want to be unselfish. But sometimes we don't behave that way. But when you remind somebody of the great attribute that he has, whether it's unselfishness, whether it's kindness, whether it's that they have responsibility. When you do that to your children, when you do it to your employees, go around your office, you have employees that work for you, see a guy doing something, you want to tell you? You can't, you know, you always come in early. It's so beautiful that you're always here on time. You know what that does? It gives them the power to continue to do that and more. When you praise people honestly for something that they do, whether it's your wife, whether it's your children, whether it's your employees or your friends, your students, when you give honest, not fake, fake praise will work against you. Honest praise of someone that's doing something good, you're tapping into them bringing out their greatness. And you know who is the same way? Hashem is the same way. You want to bring out Hashem's greatness? Hashem is a lot of compassion. He has a lot of kindness. Now you bring it out, you remind him of his kindness. You remind him of his compassion. When you remind Hashem of his great attributes, you know what happens? He wants to use it. This is the way, I, it's the nature that Hashem made the world. What an unbelievable yesod in life, you have to remember. When you want to bring out the greatness in another person, you have to see that greatness in them and you have to describe it to them. If you do it directly on at the moment, it works. If you do it a little bit later, it works better. Six hours later, three hours later. By the way, I was noticing how you were playing with your sister. Unbelievable how I saw how you gave up. First of all, you should see the light on that kid's face when you say that. You just lit up his life and you brought out something in him that's so beautiful. And sometimes if you do it without them knowing that you're talking about them, that's even greater. Sometimes you talk to your wife, you talk to somebody and you say, I want you to know, you know, 
Joe, he's a great boy. He's so responsible. He's so kind. When you do that and he thinks that you're not, you don't know that he's listening. But you make sure he's listening. But he doesn't know that you're talking about him. He has such a tremendous lift from that praise that you spoke about him to somebody else. When we praise somebody, we're bringing out the best in them. So what's the way you want to bring out the beracha? You want to bring out Hashem's blessings. This is the blessing that he's telling God, please help Reuven, help Shimon, help Levi. You want Hashem to bring out his beracha? Guess what key you have to use? You have to use the key of praise. That's why automatically, Zota Beracha, all of a sudden he starts to talk about Hashem, how much Hashem has done for Am Yisrael by Matan Torah and starts describing beautiful things. Because that's what brings, that's why we open up the Amidah. First we praise. Most famous prayer of Hana. If you look at most of the Hana, it's all about praising Hashem. The request was very small, but the praise is the key. That's why during our Tfilot, Rabotain, we start in the morning with Zemirot. We start to praise even before the Amidah. We start to praise Hashem. Hallelujah. All that is in order to bring out the great things that we want Hashem to give us. He has it. But you got to bring it out through Sheva. That is the way you deal with the people and even with Hashem in your life. Baruch Allah Amen Amen.